Um, I'll cut that part out. My name's Karina. I'm from DyingScene.com, which is an American online magazine. And I'm sitting here with Ben from the band Slowly Slowly. And um, Ben, tell us a bit more about your band. Hey, Karina. Um, Slowly Slowly is a Melbourne-based project from Australia. And uh, we've been together since late 2015, released a um, slew of recordings since then. Um, our most recent offering is called Daisy Chain, and it came out, geez, when did it come out? October last year? October, November last year, around there. I think it was November, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's that's us. <laughs> No, I'm gonna. I'm kidding. Um, so, if if we look at the first, uh, your previous albums, the first three, which is, wait, is is Chamomile actually an album? Yeah, it is an album. Or is it? We get yeah. There was this like. We back then. I don't think I was like. I think we, I'd really, I'd been in other bands, and all we'd ever released were EPs, mm-hmm. and so the concept of releasing an album was like this massive thing. It was like, you know, we get yeah. to release an album when we're grown up, and um, and uh, we, it's such a daunting task putting together, you know, ten songs, and um, and such a statement for your first release. Like we we didn't release any EPs, but um, there was a there was a band from Melbourne that we uh, really looked up to and we loved and they'd released this eight track um, record and called it an albumette. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we'll do, we'll, we'll do that. That'll be our little like stepping stone. And um, so I don't know. Some people call it an EP. Some people call it an album. I think it, for me, it's just like a collection of songs. I, I, I can't really place it into either but it was definitely one of those albums that made you stand out from the Melbourne scene, considering you were coming up with Ocean Grove at the same time, or were they before? I can't really remember. No, it was kind of similar. We're, we're friends with those guys. Um, we're good friends with Sam, Sam from that band. Um, uh, he's an incredible drummer, but um, we, uh, yeah, we, we came up with a with a lot of bands that are still going now, and it's like, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 nice to still be together. You know, we've mm-hmm. we've been together long enough now that we've seen bands sort of come and go and and break up, and mm-hmm. you know, the, either touring or just the relentless pressure of releasing new music and stuff like that. It, it's it tears bands apart, and we've we've been together long enough to have um. I think stood that first, you know, that first big, you know, season of multiple albums and stuff. So I'm hoping it just sort of continues. Yeah, because what I found refreshing about Daisy Chain was you had um, Chamomile and you had St. Leonard and they had the very um, word I really don't like using, um, emo-ish um sound to it and then you went over with um race car which 
more lean towards a rock um album and then you had daisy chain which just um you went a completely different direction with the sound i mean you you hear the rock elements but it has a lot of 80s influence on some of the songs yeah um what what inspired the new direction for the for daisy chain um well it was a lot of it was just trying to keep like inspired um but over the years of like you know our mild success mm-hmm. we've we've um i guess it's filled me with confidence and then um i guess i was maybe able more so to step into like being a front man mm-hmm. and so I guess in the early years it was kind of almost like a reluctant thing to perform, you know, like it was really nerve wracking and, and that probably bled into the songwriting because I was so um, just meek, I think. And, um, uh, and self-deprecating. I mean, that's what emo is really. It's a self-deprecating genre. And so that, and, um, and that, that was a, honest true representation of probably who I was then I was a bit more kind of you know um I don't know for want of a better term like maybe just like ashamed of myself you know like and that's and that's like that's that's just you know I think maybe uh a symptom of (laughs) I don't know growing up or something but then I think some 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 artists can sort of like stay in that place but it was uh, I found the process of songwriting and performing as almost like therapy and it's helped me kind of step into my personality and um, be a bit more confident and uh, yeah, just like discover new parts of myself. And I've always loved a vast um, array of music and one of my true loves is like, you know, pop and eighties inspired pop and um and I think I was able to just sort of push the boundaries out of what slowly, slowly encompasses and um, and sort of bring those new sounds into the fold because, like, I just I want to be excited by this project every record in a way that is, like, broaching some new territory because um, I just I, I don't like it when bands repeat themselves. Like, I'm a big fan of... Um, bands that uh push themselves sonically you know not only um in the like the arrangements that they write but also in the songwriting content like i'd like i like to see development in the narrative of the songwriter um and i feel like uh i feel like i'm i'm getting there you know and uh a lot of it's just sort of wandering around in the dark trying to find something that feels right but um a great, um, a great litmus test for myself is my other band members. So like I, we bounce everything off each other and having that like really, uh, it's like a, it's like a really well rehearsed symbiotic kind of process with the boys having that with them. Um, it gives this like safe space to try new things and like, um, if I didn't have them, 
I think I would probably still be back in that self-deprecating, shy, you know, emo stage. But um, the confidence within our little cohort, it's like it's brought me into maybe like a, a space where I can, yeah, really challenge myself. So, yeah, I have them to thank. Like uh, although I'm the main I guess songwriter in the band, uh, I wouldn't, it wouldn't exist without them. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's a, I mean, it's a brilliant album. N- thank you. I really appreciate that. Albums. I think, thank you for listening to it. Oh yeah. It's, it's a big hit. It's a very big hit, but awesome. But so was um, race car. And one of the things I noticed with um, the lyrics on Daisy chain because if you ask a lot of my friends, I'm very um, lyrical focused. It was okay. that they became deeper in some sense. There were, you, you, you know, wrote a song about um, God. What inspired that one? Um, well, as I was saying, like, I, I think I was the confidence that the the band has given me allowed me maybe some permission to tackle some bigger overarching concepts for this record and um and it was obviously a, a pretty self-reflective period um especially because of um all the lockdowns here in Melbourne like we spent a lot of time isolated and not seeing people and um you know you know, a bit of a Groundhog Day scenario where for multiple years um, I, I just woke up like in this house and had to write songs. Like I didn't, we didn't, um, we didn't do anything. So I don't know, every, everyone had a, their own hill to climb over that period, but that was mine. And that forced me to be like quite introspective, I think, over that um, time. And um, yeah, I had, uh, you know, my, my um, father found religion like over the last few years um, and that kind of was hand in hand with uh, losing uh, our stepmom um, to uh, terrible um, brain cancer. So like that um, and, and that just the tornado of, you know, things that came with that um, just for the, first time in my life I had to grapple with such a big topic like religion I, I, I don't think it, it had really confronted me you know much until that point but um, yeah and that's that song kind of just came out in one of those I often have you know a few songs per album that mm. for want of a better word like sort of come out in like a I call it like a, like a word vomit you know you just like they just come out and um, you have to struggle to keep up with the words. Like it's, it's not, um, you're not thinking, okay, what rhymes with that? And what's this next line? And, you know, some songs are a struggle where, you know, um, you really have to tease out the content, but some of them just, what well, it's like they come to you already finished. And um, that one was, you know, I would put that one in that bracket and, um, it, it was a concept I was ruminating on for some time. So I think my subconscious did all the heavy lifting. So I, as much as I would um, love to sit here and, you know, 
stroke my ego and talk about how amazing I am for coming up with uh, this giant slab of text that all rhymes and makes sense and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I really feel uh, only semi-responsible for some songs like that because they they obviously like um, come from somewhere else and whether that is a spiritual thing or whether it's a, just simply your subconscious doing the filing. Um, yeah, I feel only partially responsible. Yeah, because then you, I mean, the album itself is very consistent. You start with um, the song Daisy Chain, which where you mentioned life's not linear. And that promoted a big discussion in my friend group because how would life be linear? I mean, it's always, it always goes up and down. So I found that part like that just sat with me while I was also writing a review um, for the album but you have this I would say actually a very natural gift on um, writing lyrics even with Blueprint which is wasn't that the first single you actually released for the album yep. yeah 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 and it was and that one tackles um uh how did it go something about um you're not writing music for the playlists something oh like um there's a line on a song i think you're referring to a song called um oh yeah Ach achilles heel yeah that, that was achilles heel. yeah that's yeah blueprint was the one with um with uh breaking through in america yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. i should know this i reviewed it i've heard it oh no you it sounds like you've listened in detail like i'm just so impressed that you know our back catalog and have listened to the songs like it blows my mind someone on the other side of the world who's listened so i really appreciate it your comfort away from home one would say um, <laughs> but do you feel like daisy chain actually brought you some success outside of um Australia we get a lot of um, messages um, about touring overseas and it's just mm -hmm. not something that has presented itself in a viable way yet like um, I think we just like the most important thing for me in the sustainability of the project is like the songs and mm -hmm. uh, making sure that we put out, you know, every record after the other is not only an improvement, but the vibe within our band, it's um just the, what would you call it? Like the, the, like the, I don't want to fuck with the, our. Dynamic. Yeah. It's like the dynamic or the, it's like the, the morale within the band, like the quick, mm. the quickest way to maybe like pulling that apart and, you know, is this becoming like too transfixed maybe on success. And so, you know, years ago we could have started touring overseas, mm -hmm. played to, you know, no one overseas, played, played tiny rooms and played to no one and quickly eroded not only the, 
you know, our group morale, I think, but maybe our financial, we could have like entered some financial ruin, but just to say that we've done it. Um, and we've, we've been around for, I think long enough now to see other bands do that um, for, you know, for this, like chasing this, uh, chasing this rainbow that just, you know, it, so I think that like when we, when we do jump the pond, as we call it over here, we're like, we will do it in a way that's sustainable for our band because yeah, this is, uh, it's like really important to me that we're, we're all happy in the project. I don't really want to rip people away from their loved ones and family for just, a you know, this, um, you know, yeah, because yeah. I was about anyway. to say you're all married and kids on the way. Probably at some point. No, no. Pat, our drummer, has um, two lovely children, but the rest of us are um, just big man childs who just run around still writing songs and drinking. <laughs> but we'll grow up one day, I promise. There's no rush. Don't grow up. I'm, <laughs> I'm 30. I can say this. It's just stay man children. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh I think we will do it. Um yeah, we just need we just need the right opportunity, I think. And we're just um we're not willing to to do it just for the sake of it, I think. No. And I think that's one of the good things about um slowly slowly. I've mentioned this. Um you're the best hidden gym. Hidden gym because um it's very rare that people outside of Australia mention you. Um, but you're also the worst kept secret because I think many people outside of Australia who know you would say that you should be known on the level of um, many of the big bands that we see around today because of the unique uh the uniqueness in the lyrics but also because your musical arrangement is not something that you hear that often and why i mention that is because you have one of the most beautiful um piano ballads on daisy chain that you of course end with paper mache and it's extremely um vulnerable for someone to hear it as well because it resonates with a lot of people and that prompted a question in me which was how did that one happen because it's a very stripped down version of what it could have been in my uh experience with the album yeah we um that one uh I bought a piano in the lockdowns. Um, I bought a little upright piano and um, started writing some stuff on the piano. Um, the final, like, uh, arrangement of the chords was done by a friend of mine, Sam Elliott, um, but it kind of started there on the little piano. And um, that one... Uh, yeah, it was, it was tossed around for a while whether it was going to make the cut because, um, 
it is so vulnerable and like I didn't I didn't know whether I wanted you know because if you listen to that song like you immediately know what it's about like it's not usually what I do like most of the time I tend to write fairly metaphorically and um sort of uh yeah like um maybe like mystify things with a lot of imagery and and try and get my point across in more obtuse ways. But the um that one's like pretty straight down the guts exactly like you know what it's about. And it that's like a scary thing as an artist. But um I like really appreciate both forms of songwriting. And so as well as like sonically trying to push out the boundary and include different sounds within the album like in terms of like a songwriting narrative I really wanted to try both styles as well like at their I don't know at their at their end so like um yeah that's like a just a very um what would you say like blunt kind of style of songwriting um but yeah I like both and and then you had dashboard confessional featured on another song which was yeah that was um pretty cool i would say how did that work? how did that come to happen um we like just connected with um uh chris from dashboard over socials and he's um he was just like I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know whether he was going to, um, like he, he seemed keen upon the first time that we presented the idea, but until I chatted with him over zoom, I didn't realize how much of like a, a curious and like, like how passionate he was about it. And like just such a genuine genuinely down to earth like this lovely person we just connected on and like a artist to artist level I wouldn't um yeah I wouldn't uh actually I cannot think of like one difficult thing during that whole process like we just I presented him the song he loved it and he he said would you like me to write some words for you know the um the second verse um, I'm really connecting with the subject matter and I was like yeah let's do it he he wrote he wrote his verse and mm -hmm. sung some harmonies across the rest of the tune and um, sent it back and it was just like perfect from the we just slotted it in and I was like yeah that's it and I was like let's get it mixed like it was yeah mo sometimes like um, to get two voices to work on one song can be like a little bit of a wrestle and you mm -hmm. have to you know, to get the balance right and if the voices complement each other and, you know, but it was just, like, too easy. Yeah, it was way too easy. Yeah, but it, I, the transition from you to him, that was flawless, in my opinion. Oh, and, thank you. And yeah. now you're four, four albums deep in eight years. That's pretty amazing what are and you're going on tour you're touring around australia hitting up my home um but what are the 
plans afterwards? Are you going to be taking a small break or are you going to dive back into it? Yeah, we'll, we'll dive back in. Like I'm always writing, so we've got um, we've got plenty of things we want to do uh, with this year and next. So, um, yeah, there's lots of lots of plans in the works, and um, I'm I'm really excited about like uh, the new direction for slowly and new content that's sort of getting drummed up in the lab. So, um. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling really inspired at the moment, and it this is the way it always happens. It always like there's always these giant overlap periods with, um, because you end up touring, you know, quite a quite a time after the album's been released, and um, I wouldn't say I'm like one to just like sit around or and I and I don't do, uh. Like I do some work for other people and do some producing and songwriting and, um, with other people, but my main focus most of the time, like my nine to five, is creating things for slowly, slowly. So um, it doesn't it doesn't really have pause periods as such. Um, we're thankful for you keeping slowly, slowly alive, but <laughs> after eight years. And of course, you're older, wiser. I don't know about that. <laughs> He's lying. Um, what are like what aspects are you focusing on, like as a band? Um, I don't think it changed much. Like we're we're really just trying to stay stay excited about the. The music that are creating like I'm always pushing myself and and the as I said like the other the boys in the band are, are so supportive of me and they have great great ears so um they help steer the ship kind of thing you know I might I might be at the back like you know powering it but like the, they they are my um yeah, they're my like lighthouses, I guess. Like they really help, like steer me in the right direction. And um, uh, so yeah, nothing's really changed as such. Like I, I don't know. Like we, the shows get bigger. Like every time we tour, and um, uh, yeah, it's it seems to just never take a step backwards, which is like nice you know one day it might start dropping off and we'll have to go back to playing some smaller rooms and you know i'm well aware that that's uh, almost a reality you can't run away from um so we're just savoring the moment and um trying to keep things as honest and down to earth as possible i don't know it's um yeah because yeah. I, I think one of the coolest things um I get to see from social media is how extreme like the energy that the whole band has it it's I mean I thought I had high energy but like you guys <laughs> jumping from one side to another side and it's amazing to see like how you all use the stage as if it's a playground and you're just happy kids being aired it's definitely inspiring and definitely goes to show that like 
you don't always have to stand still to put on a great performance. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely impressed. And that's one of the main things that I notice is how you're flying in the air half of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, um, I don't know. I grew up like really obsessed with, uh, high energy bands you know like uh say like chili peppers and stuff like that on stage like i love um the concept of uh live versions of songs being like a lot more energetic and you know blink 182 playing everything 30 bpm faster when they play live and you know like i just like that i like and I, it's probably like comes from a love of like punk music and uh I, I grew up playing drums, like drums is my first instrument. Wow. And um, so uh, all the bands I first played in were, um, I played drums and mm. drums because uh, I played in sort of punk leaning bands um, where the drums were quite forward and um, I was a, a pretty bombastic drummer in like a, you know, very animated and I would um, – I think I always saw shows as like a bit of an explosion of energy because yeah. um, from behind a drum kit, I was always trying to get to the front of the stage, you know, like you're back there hidden. And I uh, had, I think, an inner front man in me the whole time who was just bursting at the seams to get out there. And so um, that I think I've taken that same energy into playing guitar and singing where it's, mm. it has to be a bit of like a bottleneck of explosion and nerves. And, um, I don't know. I don't, uh, I find it hard to just sit back and play the songs as they would be on the, on the album. And, um, yeah, it's always, it's not a predictable thing. Like we don't, um, you know, I don't go, and this is the part in the song where I'm going to do a big jump and this, you know, like it's not mm. curated. We're just like, as you said, we're just like silly little kids running around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've, I mean, your energy level is uh, a completely different level. But I mean, when you look at the music videos for um, some of the songs, not necessarily God, um, they're actually high energy too. And they do get the viewers or the listeners going as well it's never music where you just like just gonna nod my head over here and stand in the corner it's no let's <laughs> on the couch and get this over with guys it's it's okay just lean in yeah we we um we we love making music videos that's like that's a there's a real season of it when you you sort of finish your album and then it's like you get the masters back and then it's like, okay, it's video time. And then you spend the next, you know, you spend maybe like three months, like filming all these videos for your singles. And um, that's like another sort of fun part of the album cycle that um, you don't realize is so fun until it's over. You get into this rhythm of like wearing stupid things and showing up at stupid places at stupid times of the morning or, or night to film and then all of a sudden it's like over and then you kind of miss it so um we're in that maybe like you'd call it like a downtime slump mm -hmm. where we're just like writing and preparing for tour and um 
you know, getting all of the uh, ducks in a row. But, um, but yeah, I look forward to making some more videos. We love doing it. I look forward to more um, songs because, wow, you, after you released um, Daisy Chain, you went on Triple J and you did a performance of Daisy Chain, a beautiful performance. And I'm surprised that's not on Spotify because on Spotify, we can find I Miss You. <laughs> that's right. And that's yeah. probably one of the best versions I've heard. But I could gather that you're all big Blink fans. Yeah. Yeah, we're massive Blink fans. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a daunting task, like a version. It's, um, it's uh, yeah, it's... It, it's a massive platform here in Australia. So like mm. when you, and for the, you know, and globally, like there's a lot of, you know, I think that that platform of like aversion holds a bit of a, uh, it's got a bit of a prestige about it now, you know, all touring bands do it when they come. Um, and it's a fantastic opportunity to reach new people. Um, but at the same time, it's quite daunting because like you're, you're, for a lot of bands that maybe like grow up here in Australia, like you, um, you know, you may exist within your niche where everything's, um, everyone's supportive, you know, and then yeah. something like, something like, like a version, you're subjected to every demographic in Australia. Um, there's a, a people that, you know, from all walks of life check in to throw their two cents on how your cover has gone. Mm. And, um, you know, it can be really daunting to just be exposed to that much, um, you know, commentary. Um, but uh, so it doesn't come without, like, you know, but I think it, at this stage in our career, we just maybe give less. <laughs> we just like, yeah, <laughs> we just give less of a fuck, to be honest. And we just wanted to do a song that we love. So, you know, and I think, that's probably the recipe to maybe it going well. I feel like ours went quite well. And um, I think you give people less of a leg to stand on who want to be, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like we did a song that we loved, that we grew up with, that we're obsessed with and we feel honoured to cover and it's a band that we just look up to and it's like, well, what do you want, you know? Mm. It's like... I love when people chime in. I think the original's better. It's like no, it's like no shit. It's fucking, it's fucking. I miss you, but I think what Of course, it's better. But I mean, like, nice. you know, a um, version. Yeah, <laughs> I think it it's like. The name. Yeah, I think we're just too. We're a bit too, we're a bit too like big and ugly now to just like bother ourselves with any of that commentary. So we just we loved doing it, and you know, it's uh, yeah, we're just excited to play it on tour now. I think we're gonna play it because um, you know, it'll just be. I think it's uh, you know, it's our little three minutes where we get to pretend we're Blink One Eight Two, and that's pretty fucking cool. Who's <laughs> who in the band? Are you Tom? Oh, I hope I'm Tom. Yeah, I, I, my favorite was always Tom because he was so cheeky. But I love like Mark too. Um, 
I don't know, like uh, I grew up with those guys like all over my walls, like, you know, Rolling Stone cutouts, mm-hmm. um, obsessed with like live bootleg recordings and growing up as a drummer, like how can you not be obsessed with Travis Barker, like who is one of the most innovative punk drummers that um, has ever existed and uh, such a creative, melodic player that it's like, mm-hmm. fuck, like he, yeah. Are you going to be catching them when they're over? I hope so. Yeah. Um, I haven't got tickets, but I'll end up scrambling my way into that stadium somehow. Yeah. Hear that, guys? We found them. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. Maybe we'll get the call. If we don't get the call, I'll, yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll jump a fence. I got to get in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt. Then I bought the, Taylor Swift price tickets. Oh, they're all sold out so quickly here. So I missed out, but um, I'll find a way. I I, I must I must see them. But, yeah, they aren't sold out here. Come September, ah, right. Play a show. <laughs> That's a double whammy. We'll play a show over there. Yeah, but okay. So with music changing and social media being such a huge thing, um money money many bands um that are starting now or started during covid um do you have any advice on them for them because you started the same time as instagram really blew up but you were in bands before social media and what's like one of the biggest takes from before so me till basically now um it's a good question um i think uh yeah we were quite lucky in that respect because i, I really felt for a lot of the bands that had maybe just just found their footing pre mm-hmm. pre covid and pre lockdowns and then it was ripped away and that momentum was like really important to spurring their projects on um i feel really yeah i feel like we maybe we gained a lot of music over that period quite obviously like you know you can see that with the bottleneck of new releases now but we also maybe lost a lot um uh my advice for bands i just whenever um i speak to people like maybe at the at the merch desk or if, if people write to us on instagram and they ask for this question they ask this question of you know what's your advice i think i think the the best thing you can do as an artist is like find your voice, like find your narrative. Like, um, and the only way to do that, I think is by, uh, doing the work. Like, I think you have to, I think you have to really show up and do the work and for us to write, you know, it's still the case now. I don't think I've gotten, I don't think I've, become better as a songwriter in terms of you know uh, like I, I still have to I still have to write a bunch of boring terrible clunky songs to get to the good ones like I still it's not you don't uh, over the course of several albums get to the stage where everything you do is just the golden goose you know it's like it's not that's not how um writing works and so um 
in those early stages in your career, it's very easy to become discouraged because um, you don't have uh, a bunch of people around you to pat you on the back when you do get a win. Like you're, you're still trying to like forge your name and your narrative and like your, your purpose. And um, so it's, it's really easy to just step off the escalator. But I think um, you just have to stay the course and do the work and just – uh, keep keep trudging along. I think um, it's uh you know it's it's very akin to maybe like having a small business or something where you know if you as the owner of your business like if you if you step off the treadmill like the the business the wheels in the business stop turning. Like if I stop giving if I stop giving a fuck about slowly, slowly, then slowly everyone else does, you know, it's like, I, I am the, you know, I'm the stone that creates all the ripples everywhere. And, um, that's not, that's, that's a lot of responsibility and it's a lot of pressure. And so if you're feeling like really discouraged and like you, um, like it's really easy to tap out and just go, you know, it's too much. Like, and, um, you know, maybe it's not for me, but, uh, I was lucky enough to fall in with the other boys in the band that just have always instilled me with confidence. And, um, we do have like a very loyal, passionate fan base that does that as well. If you took those two things away, um, you know, it's really hard in a vacuum to find the confidence. And I think that's why a lot of artists, um, step away from it and become, you know, maybe discouraged, bitter, jaded. And, um, you know, uh, yeah. you just have to believe in yourself. Like if you're, if you're not doing it, then, you know, no one else is. Uh, no one else is. So you have to find that little bit of blind confidence and just listen to that voice as, um, as difficult as it may be, because, uh, yeah, that's the only way you get, you get the fruit. Like you gotta, you gotta do the, you gotta do the time. Um, I think that's my advice. I don't know if that makes sense. I felt it did. That was okay. That's good. <laughs> inspiring right there. I was like, oh yeah, maybe, uh, maybe that works in other scenarios as well. Let's figure that one out. But um, absolutely, yeah, I think it does. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't, My my family is all, um, you know. Uh, blue collar, um, like, you know, manual laborers, like mm. come from like, a long line of, especially on my Italian side, it's like, um, you know, uh, working double shifts at concreting on your hands and knees before they had the machinery for it and mm-hmm. having to retire, you know, in your forties due to your body just giving out on you. Like, um, if you can take a scary of that work ethic, not to say that that's right either, but it's like, if you can take a, you know, a portion of that work ethic and apply it to what you want to do creatively, mm-hmm. like nothing stands in your way. Like you just, um, yeah, you just got to work. <laughs> As um, Kim Kardashian famously said, just get off your asses and work. We don't support that message here, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't. I'm not like militant about it. I think a lot of the hurdles are not really a lot of the hurdles are mental. 
Like they're not, um, they're not like, uh, you know, it's a scary thing, a blank canvas, you know, it's scary. It's scary for me. Like I sit down some mornings to write and I was just, it's, it's terrifying. Like the concept, uh, you know, you, you feel like you've emptied out all of everything that, you know, you have nothing to offer. And, um, but, uh, there's always something there's, there's always something. And, um, uh, as a writer, you need boredom. Like boredom is a huge, uh, almost like processing of the things in your life. Like you need to be bored. Um, so your phone, your phone and screen time are like really bad for that. So I try to, I try to stay off my phone as much as possible when I'm, uh, writing. Cause it's like, it's just, it eats up some really yeah it's like valuable those moments those quiet moments are really valuable as a writer and you like you need to be forced to look into the abyss and be bored like you can't um you can't just like skirt around that stuff and then expect to write anything of worth i think yeah oh i agree (laughs) Mm, i don't know no i actually agree some of the best um things happen when you're bored in my opinion. yeah it's like inspiration just comes to you and then it just flows and you should just let it flow because it ended with four albums all different but with equally amazing songs um and with giant stages in america Oh, in Australia, where you're just jumping around like crazy. But um, before we leave, um, what music are you listening to currently? Did you discover? Did you learn about any new bands as of recent? I'm just wondering. What I actually really love uh, the new singles by The National. I really, I think that they're just like consistently surprising me. And I think they're a band. I mean, how many albums have they released now? Like, I couldn't tell you. It's well over. It, you know, maybe thirteen, fourteen. Like they. Anyway, they are a. I may have that completely wrong. I I, I had in my head that High Violet was their tenth record, but anyway, they are um just they consistently surprise me with mm. broaching, you know, new topics, new territory, whilst feeling like completely honest and meaningful um i think that matt from the national is like it obviously just a brilliant lyricist and um their arrangements are always like really considered and so i've been loving those songs that especially eucalyptus i think it's a beautiful song um what else have i been listening to um i've actually we've been um we're touring with uh, some friends of ours in um in a, for our Australian tour called Between You and Me. Mm-hmm. Um and they recently put out a new song which is this like bombastic pop punk like uh sort of um explosion and uh it's really cool and um I just love what they're doing and I can't wait to share the stage with them. Um so there's that as well and yeah I don't know like uh I kind of I'm all over the shop with um and I tend as well, like when I'm writing, 
my own music to not 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 listen to a lot of other people's music. I think um uh you know I like everyone else and like am easily influenced if I'm say listening to um something and I, I try and um really focus on uh, giving slowly its own voice and so yeah. yeah and so it's uh it's kind of it can be a little bit detracting sometimes if you're trying to i don't know uh yeah embody someone else's narrative but anyway um yeah those those two artists i'm absolutely loving at the minute so yeah well that means some people have something to check out well, hell yeah well that was that so I'm just going to turn it off and cut that. <laughs> <forward>. <laughs>